0: How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> All right, calm down. <laughs> if you've been with us for the last five weeks, then you know we're going through a, a series called "A Letter from Prison," and we're going through the Book of Ephesians. And tonight we're going to be finishing up Chapter Five and also jumping into Chapter Six. I'll do a quick recap for you. Um. Ephesians. It's a letter written by Paul from prison. So he was in a Roman prison at the time that he wrote this along with uh, some other books like Philippians. And basically the whole purpose of him writing this was to be able to tell the church, the body of Christ, who they are in God. To kind of describe to them their identity to give to us a little bit of bearing on on what God has done for us and and how He views us and, and who we are. And then the next part is who we are to be, how we should be acting, how we should be relating to one another within the body of Christ and also out there in the world. So it's a letter of encouragement. It's meant to build unity in the body. It's meant to... To let us know that we've been made alive in Christ. That life is more than just a pulse. It's more than just a heartbeat. It's more than just a breath. That there's something that it demands. It's something that in God's design, His Spirit has come in and He has awakened our spirit. To this thing that Jesus called abundant life. This overflowing love. This overflowing joy. This overflowing encounter with grace and i think for the most part the church has failed to really grasp what abundant life is sometimes we go through our lives and and we're kind of we're, we're like in the words to that song you know just a few more weary days <laughs> and, and our and our hope is for something that's for the future And I hope that tonight that we can grasp onto some of these concepts that that Paul is writing about that gives us hope for today, that gives us hope not only for the future, but hope for this life, that we can move forward in God's design and really experience that. Pastor Eric uh, proposed a question to us a couple weeks ago, actually last week, and he said, are we willing to open our relational world to Jesus and allow him to affect our words and the way we treat each other day to day, each and every day? Are we, are we really, are we opening up our hearts and our minds to really be able to let Christ into all of the different rooms? Are there areas that we have segmented off and we've said, all right, God, this is, this is my area. These are the things that I want to do. These are the things that you're allowed to do in my life. But I draw the line right here. And tonight we're going to talk about kind of the next step. I really feel like Eric planted some awesome seeds last week, just talking about, you know, relational things, making sure that we're, we're being right with each other. And he challenged us and he said, all right, you know, if someone else has a problem with you, Not just that you have a problem with someone else, but if you know that someone else has a problem with you, you need to go and you need to be the instrument of reconciliation. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so today we're going to be in in Ephesians chapter 5. You can follow along in your Bible. We're going to start out with verse 21. And it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And further. A lot of times, I think in our Christian walk, we we come to Christ and we're new, and we find out about this this great thing called grace. Grace begins to really kind of impact our lives. We, wow, God! God can forgive me. God wants to forgive me. God God loves me. He loves me just as I am. He accepts me just as I am. Wow, that that's an amazing concept. And we get into that, and we get this this joy and this excitement, you know. And then sometimes. After you've been a Christian for a while and you encounter someone with that, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, you'll grow out of that. (laughs) Why? Why? Why would we grow out of that? Why should we grow out of that? Is that really what the Christian life is about? Growing out of grace? I don't think that that's what it's about. And I think that Paul, over and over again, if we read his epistles, you know, we see that he says, he says words like grow in grace. He says words like abound grace in grace. There's this teacher that I like, his name's Gail Irwin, and he always, he's very, you know, demonstrative, and he always goes, abound in the grace of God. <laughs> he does it every single time, and it's like annoying at first, and then you're just kind of like, that's awesome. Because he's just like, that's his thing. But abounding, and he kind of accentuates, and it's like, yeah, it, it should be something that, that I'm growing in, that I'm basking in, that I'm soaking in, that I'm just Eating up the grace of God. How much He loves me. More than any other person on the face of this earth, more than any love that I've ever experienced, God wants to blow my mind. He wants to knock my socks off. He is enraptured with me, and He's enraptured with you, His creation. As we looked at, I think it was in chapter 4, talking about um, that we are God's masterpiece. That's really how he views us. It's an awesome, awesome example. So as we go further, not beyond, but into, not moving past, but really kind of diving into. In, 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 in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, we had the example where Paul said that you might know what is the, the height and the depth, what, what, the, what is the, the breadth and the width of God's love as we learn to really dwell with Christ, to abide with him, as we learn to really kind of Move into this area of of fellowship where Jesus and I, you know, maybe you've seen the t-shirt, Jesus is my homeboy, you know, where, where we have this relationship with Jesus where he is our Savior, where he is our mighty, awesome, powerful God, but he is also the lover of our soul, where he is also my friend, and greater love hath no man, greater love hath no man than this that he lays down his life for his friend, the word tells us. And that's what Jesus has done for us. So growing in grace, abounding in grace, drinking it in, soaking it in, rejoicing in it, being grateful for it. And really, when we come to the place where, where we're in the security of God's love, where we're in the security of His grace, the comfort of His love, the trusting of His provision, that we're able to move into this area that we're going to be talking about tonight, which is submission. Submission. Oh joy, I had a number of conversations this past week with people and you know, hey what are you teaching on this week? Submission, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, like the groans come out, you know, I don't know if they were feeling sorry for themselves or feeling sorry for me that I had to talk about it, but it's one of those things that's kind of like we have this, this little bit of a stigma about this word submission. You know, I do pre- premarital counseling. I talk with people. You know, one of the first things we talk about, you know, is, you know, hey, wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, I got to submit to him. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll just skip it. <laughs> <laughs> but this thing about submission, look at that that verse again in 21, and it says, and further submit to one, a, to one another, in reverence for Jesus Christ. If you look at it in another translation like the New King James or the King James, I like the New King James myself, but it says the fear of the Lord. Submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And we love to sing songs about this. Maybe we don't even realize it, but we love to proclaim the power of God. When we're having a hard time, when we're going through a struggle, when we when we are in need of a savior, <laughs> someone to come and save our butts we love to sing oh awesome God mighty is our God we love to sing these anthems that just proclaim how powerful he is you know my God's going to take care of all of my needs he's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and mercy we love to to think about that we love to be in awe of God but when we really get into the day-to-day things what is it When the rubber meets the road, what is it that exemplifies the fear of God in our lives? How do we really live our lives in the fear of God? And I I think that the contrast here is that a lot of times in this idea of submission is that instead of having the fear of God, the awe and the respect, the reverence, the understanding of God's power, instead of that, what we're faced with on a day-to-day basis is the fear of man. This idea of submission scares the hell out of us. Because all around us, we see these things that are oppressive. We see submission as something that is a weakness. We see something that has been forced upon us. And over the the course of history, you can look back on time and you can see racism. You can see this oppression. You can see gender oppression and feminism. You can see all of these things that are going on and we go, you know what, submission, I'm free. And I think even here in America, we kind of take this even to a higher echelon. We kind of take it to the the next dimension even because, you know, we we have these unalienable rights. I have the right. You cannot infringe on my rights. We can get very proud of our nationality. We can get very proud of who we are as a people. And we can miss the point of what God has done. We can miss this thing called submission and this thing called humility because we're focused on being strong. And the world around us tells us that we need to be strong. The world around us tells us that submission is weakness and the world around us tells us that we need to stand up for our rights. God has a slightly different economy. We'll talk about that a little bit more. There's a quote by T.S. Eliot. And he said, humility is the most difficult of all virtues to achieve. Nothing dies harder than the desire to think well of oneself. You bear witness with that? (laughs) We love to think good things about ourselves. Just let somebody try to talk bad about us. We'll defend ourselves tooth and nail. Somebody talks about us behind our back. Who said that? And immediately, just this thing rises up inside of us. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. And we long to defend ourselves. We long to make sure that that we're okay. We long to make sure that everybody else thinks that we're right. And it's the battle that we're in. But submission isn't about control, it's not about control. Submission isn't about ability. And submission isn't about the preferred result. Submission is one of those things that you know, we identify as, as necessary from God. Alright, yep, God's in control. He, he wants to do these things in my life and so I need to submit. But when it comes down to it in our day-to-day lives... A lot of times we don't really understand the hierarchy. A lot of times we don't really understand that God is in control. We don't really live our lives as if God is in control. We see the people that are directly in control. We see our leaders. We see politics. (laughs) Oh, how we love to complain about politics. We we see all the things that are wrong and the, the people that are in control, they're just not doing it right. And so... How can I submit to that? We go to work and we don't like the way that our boss treats us or what he or she tells us to do. And so how am I supposed to submit to that? But It isn't about control. It isn't about ability. Sometimes we move past the control. All right, I'll submit, you know, but I'll submit to the person that I deem able. I will submit to the the person that I trust to, to take care of me to love me, to nurture me. I will submit to the people that I know have my best interests in mind. I'll submit to the people that are going to get me where I want to be, the people that are going to get me to the place where the result is what I want, where I achieve the desired result, the preferred result. And submission isn't about that either. Submission is about humility. Submission is about faith. And it's about authority. Submission is about faith, and it's about authority. God has so designed submission. God has so designed the the workings of the universe that he, he follows the example himself. He submits himself to the things that he has put inside of the universe. What am I talking about? If you look at Philippians chapter 2, there's this picture where where Jesus Christ, God, and you can kind of picture Jesus and and God having this this conversation, you know, the Holy Spirit and going, you know what, these these human beings, they're just not really getting it. (laughs) They're not really understanding how much we love them. They're They're not really grasping at the concept of how great our love is. So we need to do something. And this calls for drastic measures. And so Jesus says, you know, all right, this is what we're going to do. i got the game plan. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to get off the throne. I'm going to step down from omniscience and omnipotence. I'm going to put aside my all-knowing nature. I'm going to put aside my all-powerful nature. And I'm going to get off the throne as creator as an infinite God, and I'm going to put myself in their shoes. I'm going to walk around in Nike and Adidas. I'm going to walk with dust on my feet. I'm going to walk with bad smells in my nose. I'm going to walk with temptation. I'm going to walk with cuts and bruises. I'm going to walk with, with hurt and with pain, and I'm going to get on their level so that they know that I'm not just some God up there who is worthy, but I want them to know that I am some God who is with them, and some God who is for them, and that I will be long-suffering, and that I will sacrifice, and I will give everything to have fellowship. So Jesus humbles himself, he puts on flesh, he walks the earth, he dies a criminal's death, and he raises from the dead to give us the ability to be redeemed. To move beyond our pride, to move beyond the desire to know all things, to be able to move into an abundant life where we can be enraptured with his grace and with his love and with his mercy. That's really what it's all about. But when we come into contact with that, when we come face to face with this, with this mercy and with this grace and with this love that never ends. It better have a change. It better have some kind of foothold in our life where, where we begin to understand it, where we begin to grasp it, where we begin to grow and it where we begin to move forward and begin to extend that grace to other people. Submission isn't about control it isn't about ability it isn't about the preferred result but it's about authority and it's about faith it's about responsibility and it's about obedience submission comes in having the faith to believe that god is in control of every situation and taking the responsibility for that knowledge by acting in obedience to his every direction regardless of the immediate outcome. There was a time in my life when, uh, as I rededicated my life to the Lord, as you know, it was probably like 22, a couple of months before I turned 22. I'd gone my own way. I'd gone very, very far down, <laughs> down the path of, uh, of the, the down the world's path, let's just say. And as I was coming back, I was just hungry for grace. I was just hungry for righteousness. I was hungry. I, I was just, my spirit was starved. I was just soaking up God's word, and, and these things began to ma- manifest themselves in my, in my life. Things like grace, and things like humility, and things like meekness. Having the power, possessing the power, but not really having to exercise it. Not having to threaten but being able to love and let that be the power. And and people began to identify this. People began to see this and they began to come come to me and say, Dan, what what's going on in your life? What you just seem to be very humble. And as I was battling with that, I was just kinda like, you know what? The only thing that I can it's not my nature, <laughs> believe me. I'm a really prideful person. <laughs> um, I know me on the inside, and, and my pride is something that I battle every single day, and so the only way that I can rectify it is just to say that, that I've encountered God's grace, and it is molding me and shaping me. Well, I was single at the time. There, was, there, was just, there were certain limitations on on the things that I was able to experience with God, and All that changed after I got married. It was one of those things that as I encountered, you know, all of a sudden, wow, submit to each other. I don't know if I've ever really had to do that before. I don't know if I've ever really been challenged to to submit to another person. Usually people have looked up to me. Maybe it's because I'm six foot seven. (laughs) Maybe... Maybe it's just because God's working in my life. But, but I've never had to really submit to someone. And so all of a sudden, boom, you know, we get into this, this relationship. Things are going great, you know. Oh, I love you. I love you too. We're so in love. If we just love each other enough, there's never going to be a fight. Yeah, all the married people are laughing. It's funny. That's one of the things we talk about in premarital counseling. And there's, it's a common misconception. If we just love each other enough. We're never going to have a problem. We can get through anything. It's kind of like, really? Really? You think your love's that strong? <laughs> really? But here I was, I was all of a sudden faced with another mind. All of a sudden faced with another heart. All of a sudden faced with another passion. Somebody else that had a brain in their head. Somebody else that had ideas. And they were good ideas. But they weren't my ideas. I, I didn't think of that. I, I want to be the one that's right. I've been right all my life, and all of a sudden, God just you know pushes me into this realm of <laughs> Dan. You're not right all the time. <laughs> you, you you got this this kind of like self-esteem problem. You got too much. <laughs> you got too much self-esteem. Your your estimation of yourself is, is too great. You need some humility. And what happened was I fought it. I fought it tooth and nail. I didn't even really know that I was fighting it. It was something that was going on inside of me. I didn't really have. I wasn't relationally invested in my own marriage. I wasn't relationally invested with people around me. And so I didn't really open myself up to having people speak into my life. I said, you know what, Dan, you're, you're kind of heading down a, a dark path here. <laughs> and, and if those voices were there, I just I simply don't remember them. My pride was so strong that I, that I just don't have any memory. I don't have any awareness of, of those voices of reason, that relational wooing to submit. So what happened was I began to I began to be angry. I began to be bitter because I wasn't in control. Because the decisions that were made, you know, they were they weren't my decisions. Because I couldn't just go where I wanted to go and say the things that I wanted to say and do the things that I wanted to do. I couldn't just make a decision. Now, all of a sudden, there was somebody that was saying, Well, maybe we should think about this. And I was a fool. Because the Bible tells us that when we don't heed the voice of other counselors, when we don't let people speak into our lives, we're stupid. We're foolish. And I was. And it took me down a path that I began to be very angry and very bitter because I wasn't in control. And it began to bleed into all of these little, these little areas of my life. And I didn't even really realize it, what, what was happening. I began to be very discontent with everything. Everything annoyed me, everything was an issue, everything was a problem, everything was a conflict. And I began to get a little out of control. First year of our marriage, Renee and I bought this little little puppy, this little chihuahua. She was like a miniature, you know. could hold her in the, the palm of my hand. I remember the first day that we got her. We went and picked her up from the breeder. And, oh, she's so cute, you know. And put her in the pocket of my cargo pants and we went to the movies Seemed like the right thing to do. We, <laughs> we had a good time. You know, we just loved this little dog. But like a lot of little dogs, they pee in all the wrong places. I had this battle with this dog. All right, go on out, good girl. Here's your tree. Go on out. Go to the bathroom. Please. wouldn't go to the bathroom come inside five minutes later you know you're cleaning up a pool of pee golly so this goes on and it goes on and it goes on and i'm getting more angry and i'm getting more bitter about such a insignificant thing as a little pool of pee on the floor i killed that dog I didn't mean to, but I let my pride take me so far. I let my control take me so far that in anger, one day, as I was cleaning up a pool of pee, I just pushed her, I just shoved her, little five-pound dog, and I broke her neck. These are the things that when we do things our own way, when we let our pride rule and reign, it leads to death. I thank God that I learned that lesson with a dog and not one of my children. I thank God that I learned that lesson with a dog and not my wife. And it breaks my heart to think and did I even have to say such a thing to you that, that I had a heart of murder inside of me. That I let myself get to the place of frustration and discontent that a little pool of pee on some linoleum caused death. How foolish. How ridiculous. the result of my own ways. So Paul asks us as God asks us to submit. Pick up in verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Let's skip that part. No, I'm not. Man, that's kind of awkward. Wives submit. In a country where feminism has been such a, a big issue, where where gender issues continue to, to be a problem and, and, and continue to play out and be a battle in our culture and in our society, especially here. But also, worldwide, go to Afghanistan and the only thing you see of the women is their eyes. They're in such bondage that they can't even... Express themselves, they can't even reveal themselves. they can't show themselves in, in, what, in a way that we would consider normal. Just wrapped up in bondage, there's this, this oppression. And we fight against that, and we battle against that. So when we, we, we read something that says, "All right, wives, submit to your husbands, then why would Jesus say such a thing through Paul? Why would Jesus allow Paul? to speak directly and put another person in submission. And we have to remember, we have to go back, that this goes to faith and authority, responsibility and obedience. See, every single one of us are in submission. <laughs> we all submit to something. The way, we, the way that we dress, whether or not we get a pre-worship Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. We're all in submission to something. And so we have this this kind of, you know, the shoes are right, the, the clothes are right, the, the talk is right, the, the lingo, <laughs> the hip words. These things that are, that are cool, these things that we submit ourselves to, the, the haircut, whatever it is, these, these cultural things that we say, all right, this is, this is where I find my identity. And God says, you find your identity in me through, through grace and through love. That's where your security is. And so submission, it, and when I take it into the realm of faith and when I identify God's in control and I say, all right, it's about authority and God is the one who's ultimately in control. And yet He has placed people on this earth that I am to be subject to as though I were subject to God to exercise my faith, to exercise my obedience, to break me down. Eric gave me this book earlier. He thought it was a cool quote. C.S. Lewis, and he says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. There's a dose of truth for you. And a lot of times we are, you know, we, we are holding on so tight to our personality and we think that, that God's going to wipe out who we are and we're, we're holding on to our identity and God says, your identity is in me. <laughs> you've, you've missed the boat. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who, who has the purpose and the plan for you. And when you submit to me, then you're going to be greater than you ever thought you could be. You're going to do greater things than you ever dreamed of. I am going to knock your socks off. I am going to, what was it? Was it in chapter 2 or chapter 3? I'm going to do more than you can even expect or desire. I'm going to blow your mind. That's what God says, but it, but it demands, it requires this submission. Submission. And so he sets up this, this kind of hierarchy, and he says, all right, Jesus is the head, and we are the body. Jesus is the head, the man, the husband, is the head, and the wife is the body. The husband is, is over the wife. And remember what Jesus said, he says, don't, don't take that in, in terms of, of like how the Gentiles do. It's not ruling over. It isn't this subjection. But what is it? It's submission. See, submission flows from the top down. I already gave you the, ex- the example in, in Philippians chapter 2 where, where Jesus comes and, and he gets off his throne and he puts on flesh and he says, I am the servant of all. If I'm the servant of all, if I, God Almighty, am the servant of all, then don't you think you can serve each other? <laughs> if, if I've served you, if I've submitted myself to my own design of the way that things work and the way that you're going to be blessed, don't you think that you need to do the same thing? So he continues for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as, as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. God has designed husbands and wives to submit to each other, to care for each other. But he has also set up this hierarchy in which the responsibility Falls on the man. Remember, submission, humility is about responsibility. If you read in in Genesis chapter chapter 3, where where God comes to Adam and he says, Hey, where are you at? Why are you hiding? He identified their nakedness. They they did what was right and they, they became like God in the sense of now all of a sudden they have this awareness of their nakedness. They had this awareness of right and wrong. They had this awareness of, oops. (laughs) And it says that Eve took the apple first. But for the rest of the Bible, what does it say? Adam sinned. See, the responsibility was on Adam. Adam had to be in submission to God so that when the things that were going on in his family, he was, hey, I, I, we need to do the thing that's right. And I really get this picture as I, as I read through that, those verses that Adam was standing right there. And he didn't love his wife and he kind of using her as a little bit of a guinea pig. Hmm. God said that if we eat it, we're going to die. I wonder if that's true. Well, I'm not going to find out. <laughs> so Eve's having this little conversation with the serpent, you know, and the serpent's twisting God's word, you know, and, okay, I'll be like God. I must have missed that somewhere in God's communication. I, I'm, I can be like God? Well, wow, that, like, that sounds like a great thing. That sounds like maybe even a, a way that, that, that I can get closer to God. Even closer than I am already. And so, chomp. And Adam goes, well, she didn't keel over. How'd that taste, Eve? Is that that all right? Describe it to me. It looks so good. Give me that. uh. Everybody out of the pool. God comes in. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing there, Adam? What are you doing there, Eve? But the responsibility falls on man. The man. Not that the woman gets off scot-free. She gets the joys of of bearing children. <laughs> and all the pain that comes with that, you know. <laughs> Couldn't have planned that. <laughs> little baby. <laughs> Thank you, Peyton. <laughs> so the responsibility falls to the man. Verse 31 says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in, into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Jesus laid down his life for the church. Husbands, that's, that's the standard of what God asks us to do for our wives. I know that that's hard. Nobody said any of this was going to be easy. But as we submit to God and to love them. And God is so wired a woman that she demands love. I can tell my wife I love her every hour of every day. And there are still those times that she looks in my eyes and says, Dan? Do you love me? (laughs) And part of it's just because of her background, because for her entire life, nobody said it. And I hate that for her. I hate that she doesn't know her value. And I hate that I have not been able to to really show her in the over eight years of marriage how important she is. And that's something that God is working on in me. He started it a year ago, in 40 days. The series that we did, which, of which moving along the path, Map, is an extension of. We went into that series and God told me, He said, I'm going to do something new in you, Dan. I'm going to break you down. I'm going to change things up. And I think I'm beginning now just to kind of see some of the fruits of that to begin to, to see some of the walls coming down and, and opening myself up to other people speaking in my life, but specifically to loving my wife as she d- deserves and as I need to out of obedience to my Savior. And when I begin to do that, when I begin to express that and really really let that down, man, it, it's such a blessing to me. I didn't even know what I was missing. I didn't even know the joy of loving in this way. And and honestly, I just kind of feel like I'm on the cusp of it. I just feel like I'm on the edge of it. I I feel like I'm not even fully invested. Like There's so much more that, that God wants to blow my mind with. There's so much more that I need to learn, and I'm hungry for it. I want more of it. I want to be pleasing to my Savior, to my God. But I also want to love my wife. And that's a desire that he's put inside of me. And it says, and the wife must respect her husband. This word respect is actually a, a derivative of, of the word that was used in the, in the first verse that we looked at, where it says, the fear of God. It's actually uh, a derivative of that. It, it's kind of an awe, it, it's, it's a fright, it's a respect. And it's the same thing that God asked the, the woman to to do for the man is to respect the man because God has so wired men that we need it. Respect is kind of like a security blanket for us. When someone thinks that our ideas are good, (laughs) that makes us feel good. (laughs) That allows us to kind of go on with life. And, And God says, "All right, women, respect your husband. Not that you can't disagree with him, but that when you disagree, that you don't say, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Where did you dream? No, we don't, we don't need to <laughs> approach each other in that way. But, but we find the way to love each other through this thing called respect. It's a challenge. It's an exercise in humility, in honoring our God continues in chapter 6. He says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and, and instruction that comes from the Lord. Have any sons in here? Have any daughters? We all have parents. God asks us to honor them. And then he gives us this admonition for parenting. Don't provoke your kids. Train them up in the, in, in the ways of God, the spiritual things. And this demands submission submission to a kid yeah submission to a kid vulnerability authenticity real life stuff to a kid there's times when i provoke my children (laughs) honestly there's there's times when when i kind of stir them up where that little you know that kind of annoying part of me comes out, you know, where you just want to like push somebody's button until they snap. <laughs> and every once in a while, maybe maybe it's just tickling, and you and you just tickle a little too far. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's the words, and you just you know, okay, I really should stop. But this is so much fun. <laughs> and there's that part of us that just kind of gets off on. <laughs> On pushing people's buttons and provoking, you know. And yet God asks us not to do that, to submit. One of the greatest examples of this in in a a slightly different way is is my own father. And I remember sitting on the couch. I have the the image very distinctly. It's like playing like a video in my mind. I I can recall it in an instant. It's, It's locked in. I haven't thought about it in years, and it's still right there. We're sitting on the couch, and we're watching TV. We're flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden we stop on this channel, and there's a man dressed in all black. His face is covered, and he has a gun. And he breaks through this door. He walks into a bathroom. He rips open a shower curtain, and there's a naked lady there, and he begins to shoot her. And she runs out of the shower screaming, trying to get away. And he shoots her until she's lying on on the floor in a pool of her own blood. It's locked in there. It's only like eight or ten seconds. And my dad realized what was going on and just click, click, click. Changing the channels, click. Shuts the power off. And the next image that I have is my father on his knees in front of me with tears streaming down his face and saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I let you see that. I'm so sorry that that I tainted you. I'm so sorry that I didn't protect you. I'm so sorry that I let that into your life. He took responsibility. He submitted himself and he said, that was my fault. That's an amazing thing. Because <laughs> how many of us would just click, click, oh, this crap on TV. Nothing good on the tube anymore these days. And we just blow it off and we just slough it off like nothing ever happened. And we don't let it break our hearts that, that there was a violation. We don't let it break our hearts that even, in, even though it was unintentional, That pain was caused. And this is part of our submission, is taking responsibility for that. Specifically here, he's talking about in the way that we train our kids, in the way that we raise them up, and in the way that we protect them and teach them the things of the Lord. He continues, he says uh, in verse 5 of chapter 6, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven. And he has no favorites. Submission goes into the things that we do, goes into our actions. But submission isn't just about behavior modification. It isn't just about conformity, but it really is about heart transformation. It's not just about the things that we do. I really don't think that God is, is so much interested in the things that we do as He is in why we do them. Sometimes, you know, we're, oh, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God's will is for my life. And sometimes I just want to say, just, just go. Just just use the skills that you have. Just, just run free. Just be you. You are the only you. There's no other you. There's no other you on the face of the earth. If you aren't you, no one's going to be you, and that's a tragedy. Because God created you. Because he likes you. And if you don't move forward, if you don't grasp and accept and and say, all right, these are my talents that are God-given. These are my strengths that are God-given. This is my purpose in life. Who's going to do it? (laughs) Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can do it for me. And so here, part of our submission is, is stepping out in faith. Is taking responsibility and using the gifts and talents that God has given us in order to honor Him, in order to glorify Him, and to not submit to the world, and to not value the things of the world more than we value the things of God. I'm kind of a geek sometimes, I like gadgets, <laughs> a phone, and Palm Pilot. Now I got the smartphone. Got the iPod, and then you got the iPod accessories. Got the little thing that plugs into your car so you can listen to the iPod. Got the noise-canceling earphones. Got all these things that I've submitted myself to. (laughs) All these things that that I've valued. All these things that I've put in importance on some level. But I can honestly tell you, there's not one. Thing that I possess there's not one thing that I own there's not one thing that I look at and I go I've got to have that. I will give it all up for Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what kind of vehicle I drive, it doesn't matter what kind of clothes I wear. I can honestly say that I will give it all up for Christ, but to be able to say that in my heart And to be able to transfer that into my life, in my conduct, now that is another thing in and of itself, isn't it? to be able to have that passion, to be able to have that truth stored inside of you and then be able to get to the place where as you have a little extra money and you begin to get comfortable and you move into the place of of security and and peace and wow, I'm I'm successful and life is going well, then, then what do you do with those resources? What do you do with what God has given you? Do you use it? for your own pleasure, for the things that you want? Or do you go, you know what? There's people in today's day and age, in 2008, that are dying of starvation. What am I going to do about it? There are people that are illiterate, that can't read, they have no education, and so they aren't even able to to move forward in the world. They're, They're bound by illiteracy. They're bound because of it and not being able to make money and not being able to provide for their families and being dependent upon other people. What am I going to do about that? What am I going to do about the people who have, who have separated themselves and said, I want nothing of this world. I don't believe that there's anything true. What am I going to do about that? What, am I going to bring hope to them? Am I going to say, no, there is something real? What's my conduct going to look like? How am I going to submit myself to what God has called me to do? How am I going to see with God's eyes and have no favorites, to show no partiality based on what somebody looks like or how they talk, based on their social group, or based on the past, or based on the things that they've done? I love that we have a place that I can stand here before you, sit here before you and, and proclaim my faults and confess my sins. And if there ever was a pedestal that you put me on, I want to knock that joker down. I'm not interested in it. I'm tall enough. And that is our heart here. That is our goal here that we are real with each other, that we identify our every single person we have a need for submission to each other and to God. I want to close just by reading this example of Jesus Christ. If you're looking in your Bibles, you can just literally just flip the next page. It's in Philippians chapter 2, starting in the fifth verse. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the example set for us. One of humility, one of sacrifice, one of service. Another great man said, I used to think when I was learning about Christ that that as I grew up in Christ, I would be able to reach a higher shelf and grasp more and more of God's goodness. He says, now I realize That as I grow in Christ, the goods are on the bottom shelf. And I have to stoop lower and lower in my sacrifice and in my service and in my humility. As I draw closer to Jesus. That's a powerful image. But what would our church look like if, if we never had to announce from the front, that there were volunteer positions available. What if that was never part of our announcements because our heart was so, so focused on blessing and serving and sacrificing that we were looking for ways. The Red Eye Bar would always be staffed. E3 Kids would always have volunteers in there longing to train up children, longing to pour the love of Jesus Christ into those kids. What would it look like if the mobile food ministry began to, to grow and to grow and to grow, and we really began to fulfill the vision of desiring to break the cycle of poverty in Tallahassee? What would it look like if, if we did a service project and in, and in a church of five or 600 people, five or 600 people showed up? What would it look like if we said, This is more important than my schedule? We might be an unstoppable force. (laughs) We might fulfill the, the vision of the body of Christ. God might knock our socks off. And we might move into a deeper understanding of grace and love and humility in a way where our submission is completely to God And the things of this world no longer hold one ounce of value. That's my dream. I want it. (sighs) I desire it. And I need people like you to come alongside of me and to push me. And to help me. And to stir me up. And to egg me on. And to call me out as we push onward in this race of the upward call of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in humility, humbled by the fact that you have given it all, you have provided it all, all of the things that we need for life and godliness. And I pray, Lord, that you would hold our tongues I pray that you would stir our hearts, that as we move into a time of worship, that the the words would not be able to be uttered unless they are true, that we offer all of who we are. Lord, I pray that you just bring us to, to the next step to be able to say that, to be able to just express that as a desire, express that as a hope, express that as as the truth of what you want, that you want all of us. You don't want to torment our natural self, but you want to kill it. And you want to move us into a place where we're spiritually healthy, abundant, overflowing. Lord, I pray that you just take us one step further right here, right now. As you inhabit the praises of your people, as you manifest yourself as God with us. Emmanuel. Lord, have your way in our minds and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.